0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. I just want to thank you guys for having me. It's been a pleasure worshiping with you so far. Um, And I am really honored to be able to get up here and be able to share with you this morning. So um, as far as what I'm going to share with you, today we're going to talk about patience. I want to start by kind of walking you through how I got to the conviction to speak on this this fruit of the Spirit today, because I think getting a, a look into my mind and the thought process behind it will help help us all understand a little bit more about where I'm trying to go. So it's always difficult for me um, to choose what topic to speak on when I have like only 30 minutes and only one time. I'm very much someone who wants to get something done really thoroughly if I'm going to do it, and so... I was struggling to decide what I was going to speak on today up until a couple of weeks ago. Um, And it actually didn't dawn on me that I was to speak on patience until I realized that the virtue of patience kept getting brought up in my everyday life over the past couple of weeks. Um, I was home visiting some family, and apparently at their church back at home, they're going through the fruits of the Spirit, and patience had been a sermon that one of the guys had given Um, at their church, and everyone around the table kept talking about how much they struggle with patience, how that's the hardest fruit for them to really understand, to really practice well. I work with students on UW's campus, and um, some of them are just getting really anxious for the next semester to start. They kept bringing forward these ways that they're struggling with patience. Um, Some of them are going through times of discernment, trying to figure out what it is that they want to do with their life, and they kept bringing forth these complaints of how difficult it is to to truly be patient. And All of these things were great, but I found myself um, always feeling a little bit uneasy when I heard people talking about patience, whether it was my family, whether it was my students, even, even myself when I was thinking about being patient. I found myself just not feeling quite right. And so I decided that I was going to turn to Scripture. I was going to dive in and see what Scripture really told us about patience to try to figure out why it was that I was feeling so uneasy when this topic kept coming up. And eventually, as I studied more and I really dug into some of the things that God has to tell us through his word, I started to realize that the uneasiness that was resulting from hearing all of these things, was actually a result of gradually realizing that when these people talked about patience, when I thought about patience in my own life, we were actually talking and thinking about a very different thing from what Scripture talks about when it talks about patience. And I came to this realization that our culture really fails to grasp in a healthy way what the Holy Spirit is trying to to get us to practice when it's trying to get us to practice patience. We can see this even just turning towards the definitions that we have of patience in our dictionaries. I'm kind of a a word nerd. Um, I I have a language degree. And so I really like to dive down into the nitty-gritty of definitions, linguistics, and try to to figure out where it is that, that misunderstanding begins, where that seed is. And one of the definitions that you can find in any of our dictionaries for patience is an ability or willingness to suppress restlessness or annoyance when confronted with delay. And I really want to focus in on this word of delay in this definition today. Um, The way that we practice patience often in our lives and the way that the world and our culture practices patience often assumes that eventually everything's going to work out. That this thing that we desire, this thing that we want, this thing that we're quote-unquote being patient for is eventually going to show up. That it will work out according to our plans. We just have to wait and do our best not to complain or grumble, do our best to suppress our restlessness or annoyance up until it finally comes to fruition. I think hopefully all of you are already realizing like that's, that's not biblical at all. God doesn't promise us everything's going to work out. He actually promises us hardship, if anything. And so I think we can see how it is that our culture really focuses in on that that fact of delay and it being inherent in the practice of patience. When we just think about the first images that come to mind when we think patience in our culture— when I think patience, I, I picture like my mom as a little kid tapping her foot as we're getting ready for church. Or I think about waiting for my friend at a coffee shop when they're five minutes late. I'm just going to not complain when he shows up because I'm going to practice patience. But i already su- assuming he's going to show up. But I just have to wait for whatever I planned on happening to come to, to fruition. Maybe we even nowadays think about just trying to, Keep our cool and stay nice and calm and tranquil while our entertainment is buffering on our TVs or phones. In the end, no matter what it comes down to, most of the time when we talk about patience, practicing patience, we're, we're really talking about waiting until what we want to happen finally happens. And in Christian culture, we like to think, okay, well, yeah, that's the world. But we, we don't do that. We, we like, we actually get patience. We do a little bit better. But I'd like to posit that actually, even when we think about patience a lot of the time, we just think about waiting on God. And again, there's a deep-seated hope and belief that God's going to make whatever we want to happen, happen in the end. We wait for God to make that big life step that we've really desired finally happen. We wait for him to give us that next revelation that we're seeking, to offer the epiphany that caps off our season of discernment, to give us that emotional or spiritual high that we've been longing for, that we haven't felt in a while. And we think that as long as God comes through, and as long as we can hold out until he does come through without grumbling or shaking our fists at the sky, that we deserve a pat on the back and a couple extra brownie points from Jesus because we practice patience well. And so, kind of my, my thesis of this sermon today, if you will, is that the Christian call to patience is one that is commonly misunderstood, both in our culture that's secular and Christian today. And hopefully, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit today, we can dig into Scripture, and we can start to reclaim the, the spiritual fruit, the virtue of patience as God intended it to be. And therein, hopefully, start to reap some of the benefits that God tells us we should get from the virtue of patience in our relationship with Him. So, we're going to break it down kind of into to four different pieces, if you will. Um, we're going to look at when we're called to practice patience, how it is that we develop patience. What patience actually is in Scripture, what the word that we translate to patience or to many other words, as we'll see soon, actually holds within itself, and then why we should practice patience. I think if we continue to go on this pattern really, really briefly of looking at what it is that the world thinks about when it thinks about patience in these ways, we see that um, the world decides that the time to practice patience, and often we decide it as well, is that is in, is in that time of delay. That the fruit of patience is something to be practiced and applied between the time that I start desiring something or expecting something and the time that that desire or expectation is fulfilled. I think if we ask ourselves, how is it that the world believes patience is developed, A lot of the times, if I'm being honest with myself about my observations of others, and even me internally, we like to think that with patience, you just kind of got to will it out. You just need pure force of will. With that, you can suppress the anger, suppress the annoyance, suppress the restlessness, because it's only going to be for a short time until that fruition comes. That you have to have patience down pat before you actually get into the situation where it's needed, before the situation where you're supposed to practice it. And if you don't, you'll fail and you'll mess up and that's okay. And you're just going to have to try harder next time. But we don't see any tangible way that it's actually produced in us. We don't think about that very often. What it is, um, as I've kind of hit on already, it's in our culture, patience is just waiting. Our culture has cheapened the virtue of patience. And in doing so, we've left ourselves with a form of, I'll call it righteous, delayed gratification. We don't think about the fact that, that gratification isn't going to come. We just have to wait for it to come. And if, as long as we wait correctly, we can call ourselves righteous in doing so. Then if we ask ourselves why, Do people in our culture, why do we often yearn towards patience? And I'd say in our secular culture, it's often just because they think it's the right thing to do, because they know they might be applauded if they're able to not show their anger, not show their restlessness in the midst of this waiting that they're doing. Um, I think, hopefully, we do it because we know Christ calls us to it. Um, But on some level, we, we don't see exactly what fruit it could produce other than well, we didn't get angry. We didn't sin in that short time when we were tempted to, but we don't think about what patience and the work of patience actually has to do in our lives. When we think about other virtues, other fruits, um, love, kindness, we can see fruit produced by that, and yet we very rarely think about the fruit that patience can produce for us. And so I'm going to argue that That understanding of patience is not what we're called to in Scripture. So to understand better what we are called to, I want us to turn today to to James. Um, I I love the the epistle of James. Um, I find it very practical. And today we're going to dig really deep through a couple of short verses. We're going to go to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And We're going to try to sift out exactly what God talks about when he talks about patience and we're going to ask ourselves what we can figure out about these four aspects of patience through what James is telling us here. So I'm actually going to read from the New King James version to start us here because as you'll see in that version he actually uses the word patience. That's what we decided to translate it to. So James 1, 2 through 4 reads, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So after I read that, there's a bit of an elephant in the room, and that's that most of you guys don't even have the word patience in these verses. Um, and to address that, we have to, we have to go back to the Greek, right? Translation is a messy thing. Oftentimes we don't have the correct words in English to really capture the full idea of the Greek word that a lot of these early church fathers like to use, that these apostles like to use. So the, the Greek word that James uses here is hupomone. And this is a complex word. Um, if you're reading the ESV, it probably said steadfastness. If you were reading, reading the NIV, it would say Perseverance. Um, The New Living Translation uses the word endurance. And we'll get back to hupomone and exactly what that looks like in practice, what it means for our lives a little bit later. But I think we should already realize that part of the misunderstanding that we have of patients in our culture probably results from the fact that this word hupomone is complex. It's deep. We need multiple different words to even try to start to understand what God is calling us to when he's calling us to this fruit, to this virtue, to this practice. And when we start to realize that, we can understand why we don't always practice patience that well, because we don't view it as something that's that deep. We don't take these other facets of the word into account. So we're going to start from the beginning of verse 2, and we're just going to break it down a little bit, and we're going to see what... We can gain from James James's wisdom here. So at the beginning of verse two, we see, "Brethren, count it all joy when you fail, or when you fall into various trials." I think even from this tiny little chunk, we can gain two pieces of insight. Uh, the first is that, in some way, shape, or form, this this practice of hupomone, patience, steadfastness, perseverance, whatever word you want to use. It's somehow related and involved in experiencing joy in the midst of our trials, something that I think we all usually have a pretty difficult time with, if we're honest with ourselves. Um, And exactly how it's involved in that, exactly how it's wrapped into that, um, we don't get yet from this little chunk. We'll have to save that for, for a little bit later when we get through some of the other pieces of these verses, but... The, the second thing that we can take immediately, just from this first clause, is that there is a specific time where we're called to practice this virtue of patience. James uses a word, pyrosmos, uh, which is a pretty vague word. It's a pretty broad word for trials. We're called to, to practice patience and experience this joy that can result from it. In the midst of trials, Um, in some translations it's of various trials, in some translations it's trials of all kinds. We can assume that James was probably referring pretty directly to the persecution that Christians were facing in the first century church, a persecution that we don't often deal with, right? Um, But I think if we start to view patience as something that's only supposed to be practiced there, we, we cheapen it again. James is calling us to practice patience whenever we run into hardship um, and to view any hardship as an opportunity for joy. Again, how? I'm not quite sure yet. But the fact that he says that this virtue should lead us to experience joy in the midst of our trials is also important. It means that the joy that's associated with godly patience doesn't take into account whether whatever we're suffering through or waiting on turns out the way that we had hoped. I think that's really important. James doesn't say that um, this patience is involved in experiencing joy after we've gotten to the end of our trial, after whatever we were waiting on has been fulfilled, after we finally got what we wanted. Um, It's in the midst I just need to draw our attention to that before we move on to the next clause because it's going to become really important. (laughs) I think it's crucial to the misunderstanding that we do have. So it's a little different than how the world understands it. It's not just something that we do in between when we want something and when we get what we want. We don't even take into account whether or not we get what we want. We just start it, in the midst of any trial that we're facing, any hardship. And that's when Scripture calls us to practice this fruit of If We move on to the next small chunk of these verses. It reads, um, fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, produces hupomone. And so this little chunk can answer our question of, well, where does this fruit come from? how do we develop hopemonē? How do we develop patience, perseverance, endurance, this, this virtue? And as you heard me say earlier, if I had to diagnose what the world thinks patience comes from, it's just pure willpower. It's us, right? And that's not what James says here. James tells us that there are certain times where this virtue is produced within us. There are certain times that are optimal for developing this fruit of hupomone. And those times are in the midst of these various trials, but not just any trials. They're in the midst of trials that test our faith. Trials that test our faith produce hupomone. And I think in our culture, tests are scary, right? Um... Situations that test our faith are especially scary. If I'm honest with myself, if I'm just viewing patience in the world's way and I'm in the midst of a a trial or a time of waiting, a time of delay, as the dictionary defined it, and I get to the end and I look back and I wanted something, I had to wait a little bit and I got what I wanted, most of the time I wouldn't say that that was a trial that tested my faith. If we're really talking about trials that test our faith, there are oftentimes the times in our life where we don't end up getting what we want in the end. We desire something, we expect something, and maybe we wait on it, maybe we try to practice this this thing that we understand as patience, but it never comes. It doesn't show up. The gratification doesn't come. We get The opposite of what we expected, we get the opposite of what we hoped for. That's a trial that shakes us, that shakes us to our foundation, that truly tests our faith. I think those trials scare us um, because this virtue that we're called to—it's—it's a deep one, it's a difficult one, and if we look at those trials that are coming before us in life, that Scripture promises us will happen. And we think to ourselves, man, I have to be ready. I have to have this hoopamone down before I get there. Um, That's that's a large order, and it's really scary. And that's how we approach tests. That's how we approach exams in our culture, right? When you have a test or an exam in school, you don't show up ill-prepared. You have to show up completely ready for everything that that test is going to throw at you. But that's not the kind of test that James is talking about. That's not the entire idea because this test that he's talking about, it's hard and we can hope that we're prepared and we'll probably be a little better off if we are fully prepared. But this test isn't just something that we have to be prepared for. This test is something that helps to further prepare us as far as the virtue of patience is concerned. James says that the testing of our faith produces patience. It's not only a trial in which patience can be practiced, in which this hoopamone can be practiced, but it's also, in itself, the way that, that a deeper hoopamone, a deeper practice of patience is developed. I think that's good news, right? James doesn't tell us that you have to be ready entirely when you go into those earth-shaking, foundation-rattling tests of our faith. He actually expects that we're not going to be ready. God knows that we're not always going to be ready for those times. And that's why he sends them to us to deepen our ability to practice hupomone and to practice this patience. And when we realize that, I think we start to get a small glimpse of how these times can be a time for joy and rejoicing, if we go back to that first clause, that thing that confuses us so heavily. Like, okay, yeah, I can see how I could maybe be joyful in a trial, but a trial that tests my faith, where is there space for joy there? And then all of a sudden we realize, like, well, that trial that tests our faith is actually producing in us a virtue that Christ calls us to. Okay, maybe I... I mean, it doesn't make me jump out of my seat all of a sudden, right? I'm not like, yeah... Foundation-shaking trial. But at least there's something that's going to come of it, and we can start to glimpse how that could be viewed as a positive, how we could take joy from that. And that brings us along to the word hupomone, to this patience, this perseverance, steadfastness, endurance that's being produced through the trials. We have to ask ourselves, well, how do we actually practice it? we go back to the world's way, where it's just practiced in delay and just through the, the sheer force of our own wills, patience is delayed gratification, right? Just waiting until what we want to happen finally happens. But that's not hupomone. Hupomone, like we've seen, it's a deep idea. It involves endurance, it involves steadfastness, it involves patience. Back in... Um, the church a couple of centuries before, I think they had this down a lot better. They didn't always view suffering as something to be avoided. They had a more stoic idea of trials and of testings of our faith. Suffering itself was viewed as a virtue in these times. And and long and patient suffering has a large role to play in Hupamone. I would argue that... Um, this, this word, this hupomone, if we're to practice it, the way that we can do that is by intentionally being aware of and experiencing God's sovereignty and righteous control in any situation. And after doing so, placing our trust firmly in him as a result of having that realization. I'm going to repeat that again because that's the meat. That's what I think Scripture is calling us to understand when they talk about patience, when they talk about this word of hupomone. And patience is being aware of and experiencing God's sovereignty and righteous control in a situation. It's not just waiting around. It's not just negative things. It's not suppressing the bad. It's practicing the good. It's taking that moment aside, taking those few deep breaths where you go, no, my God is a powerful God, and he's a God that's sovereign in the middle of this test in the middle of this faith-shaking trial. He's a God that has righteous control over this time, as well as every other time. And since I've taken this time out and I've realized that, I can go forward into this trial and practice hupomone through continually having that realization, even though the world tries to drag me away from it. It tries to push me towards worry, towards anxiety, towards anger and restlessness, And because I'm realizing that God is still in control, that God is sovereign, I can place my trust in him. I can continue praying. I can continue enduring in the midst of hard times. It gives me a steadfastness. Practicing hupomone means realizing that God's in control and trusting him at all times. Not just when there's a trial. Not just when there's a trial that shakes your faith but doing that on a daily basis. There's time for it everywhere. And I think when we do this, when we can continue to practice hupomone in this way, by taking the time out and having those realizations, we can develop a disciplined obedience to Christ over a long period of time. So that's what I'm going to argue. We need to take away from the word patience when it's used in scripture, from the word perseverance, from the word steadfastness, from this idea of hupomone. And that brings us around to the last clause, verse 4. But let hupomone, let patience, have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And this brings us back around to that question of, well, why do we even try to practice patience? The world does it just because they think it's the right thing to do, and they might get patted on the back if they go through a hard time and don't complain about it. Hopefully we do it because we're called to it through Scripture. But deep down, we don't usually fully understand what that's going to bring to our life, how that's going to draw us closer to God. And I'm not going to stand here and claim to know the exact mechanism through which practicing this, this true idea of hupomone, hupomone does bring us closer to God. But I can tell you that through his Holy Spirit and through James, God tells us right here that patience has perfect work to do in our lives. It has a role to play in making us perfect and complete and bringing us to a place where we lack nothing. And I think this is the best m- news about hupomone that hupomone results from our faith being tested, and that in the midst of our faith being tested and our patience being developed, what's really happening is God is developing a tool in us that he's going to use to carry out his perfect work in us. He has chosen to use hupomone to bring us closer to him. As a Christ follower... We shouldn't want anything more than that. We should want God to make us into the person that we're meant to be. And I think we all do want that. We just rarely see the patience that results from our foundations being shaken as the way that he's going to do that. And that's where we can turn back to that first verse that usually really confuses us, like joy In the midst of trials, like, yeah, sure, maybe after it turns out the way I want it to. But joy in the midst of a a faith-testing trial, in the midst of a trial that doesn't seem like it's going to turn out anything close to how I wanted it to turn out, like, how? How would we possibly have joy there? But really digging through James in these couple verses has showed us that, well, it's actually that exact testing of our faith that produces patience. And it's that exact patience that God has chosen to be his tool to bring you closer to the man or woman that he desires you to be. And when we realize that, when we realize that our our, our hunger and thirst for righteousness is fulfilled through this practice of patience, when we realize that the longing that we have to be the person that God wants us to be, that Christ has called us to be, is fulfilled through this patience being developed in us. Then we have full reason for considering it pure joy when we run into those trials in our lives. When things don't turn out exactly the way that we want them to. That the trials and testing that develop the the perseverance, steadfastness, endurance, that that's what God is going to use to finish his work in us and leave us mature in Christ. For any of us that have set our hearts on becoming Christ-like, this is a wonderful reason for pure joy. And that's something that our culture misses. That's something that we miss. So my challenge for you over these next couple days, these next couple weeks, these next couple months, is, is stop. Practicing patience the way the world tells us it should be practiced. And I'm not saying that, like, keeping your calm and keeping your cool while you're waiting for your friend at the coffee shop is a bad thing to do. It's, please don't take that away from this. Um, I think that the patience that the world practiced has some value too, um, but it's, it's so oriented around getting what we want to get in the end. It likes to ignore those faith testing trials where it goes the opposite direction. And if you only practice it that way, you're you're setting yourself up for resentment. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. And you're not setting yourself up to take hold of the fruit that God has for us when hupamone is practiced correctly. So next time that a trial comes, don't immediately tell yourself, well, I just got to wait it out. Rather, tell yourself, you know what? No matter how this turns out, God's in control. I have a sovereign God. I have a good God. And I have a God that's going to use this exact trial, this exact testing, to develop patience in me, to develop this deep, complex idea of hupomone. And he's going to use that, as it develops, to draw me closer to him and to the place that I want to be in Jesus. All right. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for being the God that you are. For being a God that is worthy of our trust. A God that is sovereign. A God that is good. And a God that controls everything, even in the midst of our most difficult trials and testings. We thank you that you're not fickle like we are wont to be. That you continue to control even when we can't see it. And Lord, as we go out from here, we ask that you bless us with the strength to step back when we get faced with trials in our lives. To realize that you're in control even when we can't feel that you're in control. To practice patience the way that you would have us practice patience. And Lord, as we do so, please, please help us to feel that virtue developing within us. Please help us to, to realize the opportunity that it provides to rejoice in you and the way that you can turn the worst parts of our lives into the exact things that grant us the best fruit that we could ever imagine, that grants us a, a closer relationship with you and a cr- closer relationship with your son. We thank you for sending us Jesus, for enabling us to communicate with you in this way, for sending us your Holy Spirit that plays a vital role in producing these fruits in us and in drawing us ever near to you. We love you, Lord, and we ask that you just continue to bless everyone in this room as we go out from this place. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.